Welcome to today's podcast. Today we have Erica Wasserman on the show. Welcome, Erica. Thank you. I'm excited to be here and explore some great topics with you today. Excellent. And well, you have a very interesting career. So why don't you tell the audience a little bit about what you do and who you help? Sure. So I'm a financial therapist. And normally at this point, the person I'm speaking to kind of gives me that puppy dog look like, what? What did, what did you just say? Mm-hmm. It's a financial therapist. And what I do is I'm a person that you come to to work on your relationship with money. How do you feel about it? How does it make you feel? Um, is it impacting your health, your sleeping, um, chest pains, you know, stomach aches, conflicts with family members, or even with yourself? And we're raised in a society, all societies, I should say, but there's a recent study that 81% of people out of 2000 said they were taught not to talk about money, but they didn't know why. So here we have something that impacts us every day from buying a cup of coffee to investing in a home or deciding where to build your business, but it's something we're not supposed to talk about. Well, heck, how are you supposed to get better at it if you can't talk about it? And, and you can't how do share we, and learn from one another. Yeah. And how do we know what we don't know if we don't talk about it? Right. And the wellness wheel, we have nutrition, you have exercise, you have um, spirituality, you have professions, right? All these areas, we have people that we go to talk to, to listen to, to mentorship, to take classes in. Money? Nope. You don't get it in school. And at home, it's a, it's a toss up of what you're going to get. It depends on how you grew up. If your parents were wealthy, you will have different kind of education or memories or beliefs around money as opposed to somebody who grew up in a family that maybe wasn't wealthy. It is. And I ask my clients often is describe how you grew up. And if I'll challenge you or invite you to do this, describe how you grew up without using numbers or a class. Um. You know, I, I also know before I answer that as a bit of a caveat, I know how our memory isn't always accurate as, as well. And, and we kind of remember things to be worse than what they are, better than what they are. But for me growing up, um, for the most part, like I, I didn't really think about money. I didn't hear my parents. I knew, oh, see, I just used the word money. I was supposed to not do that. Right. (laughs) So I guess, you know, um, I was generally a pretty happy kid. I remember that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hard because we think of then lifestyle. Did we have all the things we wanted? Did we do the things that we wanted to do? Um, yeah, that's a, it's, it's a tough way to, to, to describe it without, without using certain words. Yeah. I'll use a client was sharing with me. We're going over spending and her grocery bill was really high. And we started digging into it a little bit more. And for her, having a fridge full of food meant that she was wealthy, meant that she had money because growing up, the refrigerator was oftentimes empty. And so for her, the fact that she can go to the grocery store and buy that extra fancy mayonnaise or, you know, have a, a, you know, some chicken in the refrigerator for her, that was a sign of wealth. Her partner, it wasn't. So he didn't understand why they spent so much on groceries, which was then a source of conflict. But once we understood why that was so important to her, it made more sense for both of them. Right, right. 
And, and it is interesting too, because how we grow up, we bring those things into our relationships and we kind of always assume that we're right, we're normal, everyone's like us. And then when we're with someone who's not or meet someone who's not, sometimes we don't think about why they are that way and also why we are. Like, why do I think the way I think, believe what I believe and have the opinions that I have? Because nobody's challenged you on it or you've talked openly about it. And when you do, all of a sudden you realize, hmm, things could be done differently or your experiences weren't the same as mine. And in fact, oftentimes people kept coming to me saying, I don't even know how to start these conversations. I don't know how to start the conversation with my partner, either romantic partner or, or business partner. So I actually created a deck of cards and say, let's talk about finances, baby. Oh, and it's a deck of 50 cards, you know, and it's a questions and prompts and to get those conversations started, kind of like the one a great example is the one I asked you is, you know, describe your economic class growing up. And all of a sudden you're having organic conversations to understand your partner better to under. And again, this could be romantic or business because your business decisions, as we're talking to a lot of entrepreneurs are made the same way. And when you're working for yourself or with a small group of people, it's hard, right? And you kind of just do what you know what to do, but maybe your habits aren't helping you. Maybe they're holding you back or hindering you with your potential wealth. And um, that's an area of my business that I love working with is helping entrepreneurs free themselves to really get into the growth mindset, not just in their business, but with their financials as well. Right. And it's, it's very important, especially for, you know, obviously for married couples. Um, but I think a lot of business partners as well, because what, what's your goal for the business, right? Like what, what is a successful business? Is it making X number of dollars? How are you going to do that? Or is it, um, you know, maybe it's not the dollar amount, but globalization or, and what is that? So having that communication about, about money, the plans to make it, how it's going to be spent. How are you going to invest it or how much is it a percentage you're spending on advertising or where, you know, how are you going to grow that and what are you going to do with it? And that's very important because if two people have very different opinions or, or opposite thoughts about the money and how it should be spent, then you're going to run into problems. Right. You end up not doing anything or resentment and tension builds. So a great example for this is marketing spend. So if one partner wants to spend $100 a month and one wants to spend $10,000 a month, right? How do you communicate and compromise? And we have not had a lot of practice doing that. We, and that's going to be a source of, of conflict. And so being a financial therapist, that's where I get to come in and, and help, you know, like a pop the pin, right? The pin that pops the, the balloon mm -hmm. and kind of deflate that and come to understanding between people because your $100 and their $1,000 is based on their experiences. So we talked about background. The other part of our money belief is experiences. So if I did great at just with a hundred dollar ad in the local newspaper, right? Versus somebody who's like, no, 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 we need to do social media and we can do a campaign. And you know, this is how I got my return to my past business. It's all based on experience. It's, it's not necessarily based on facts that are in front of you because our emotions come into play. Right, exactly. And and, and we have our beliefs from our experience. So there's three ways we touched on two. One was background. Yeah. How we're raised, what was talked about, our culture that we were in. 
Um, the other one was experiences. And the third is religion. Oh, I wouldn't have thought that. That surprises me. Religion, depending on how influential it is in your life, right? Is there some messaging that money is greed? Money doesn't buy happiness. Ultimately, the man makes the decisions. And so you, know, you give a certain percent back to charity. So that plays a role also in your money beliefs. And once we kind of have those three tied up, that's it. We stop growing in this area. And again, when I look at the wellness wheel with every other aspect of our businesses and our personal life, we work and continue to grow on these things. With our money, we tend to stop growing and um, it, it definitely impacts, like I said, our health and our wealth because we get tied up within ourselves on some of the blocks that we're creating, but don't have a release of somebody to talk to. So that's the, probably the number one thing that I would encourage the listeners today is find somebody to talk to, find a mentor, find an accountability partner. It could be your romantic partner or it could be somebody else. But find somebody, and I even, I jokingly, I say I have a board of directors. I have a committee of people that have different skill sets mm-hmm. and that I go to for different things. So build that. You know, I know, Sally, you're a great resource as well for, for everybody, but build that team around you because you're an athlete. They have a huge team of people. Absolutely. And if you're not investing in yourself with the right board of directors, and they, again, they can be friends, mentors, people at the local, you know, uh, chamber of commerce, whatever it is, but surround yourself with people that you can actually be open and honest and brainstorm some ideas with because growth is needed to grow a business and to grow ourselves. Absolutely. And, and we have to start having those conversations because that's, that's how we learn and that's how we grow. And, you know, if we look at any large successful company in the world they didn't do it by themselves and and just as you said with athletes they don't become professional athletes because you know they did it all themselves they have coaches they have consultants they've got people working with them and finding people who specialize in certain things just like I I can go to the gym and I, I do I go to the gym and I work out and and sometimes I have some good workouts but when I have a personal trainer oh my gosh, my workouts are so much better. I get into shape so much faster because it's just, it's doing things differently. It's pushing to do more sometimes or or trying new and different things. And so it is really important to to have people who specialize in certain areas of our lives to help us reach whatever goals it is that we want to reach. And then that comes down to what is your goal, I think is very important too, because people like, I want to be happy or I want to be rich or I want to be the best one successful. Well, what is your definition of being successful? Because everybody's definition is a little bit different, especially when we have like the media playing into it, which I really dislike. You know, you have to have, you know, million dollar homes and lots of cars that are worth lots of money and making it so much. But that's truly, in my opinion, that's not the definition of success because we've seen you know, famous people, athletes, uh, actors, actresses, um, people who are having multi-million dollar companies and they're addicted to drugs, alcohol, they OD, they commit suicide. So they weren't happy. They had what the kind of quote life that everybody should strive for and that brings happiness, but we really realize it doesn't. 
And I think one of the things that we need to do is also redefine what is success. And it has to include happiness and everybody's happiness is different. So I use the analogy here when I'm talking about financial goal and your success mm -hmm. is, and I'll ask you, let's, let's do this. I love a good little interaction. So how many emails are in your inbox right now? Way too many. Like, give me a number. Probably. I, I probably average a hundred emails a day. Okay. So at the end of the night, when you close your computer, you're at 123 or 87. Mm -hmm. you know? Somewhere around there. probably I, I I I spend too much time on them, but yeah, I would say I I probably get them down to about about fifty. So you can close your computer at the end of the day with fifty and feel good. And yeah, my while I feel okay. Like I know that there's stuff that I still need to do because I always just say like my, my work is never done. There's always things that I need to do, but I also know that there's a point where I have to just close it and be like, that's it for today because there's other things in life than work and responding to emails. Okay. So we're going to say 50 is your number. Okay. Mine, I recently rechanged my emailing formatting and how I respond. So I'm at six. Okay. Because I have action folders, response folders. I've got, because it used to be larger. My mom, on the other hand, her email has 13,576 and she sleeps perfectly fine at night, right? <laughs> it's out of control. I just look at the number and again, my heart rate starts, my heart starts beating. Mm -hmm. It's the same with success and our financial goals. Everybody's number is going to be different and it's going to feel and look different. Mm -hmm. So like, look at your email account. I, I invite you right now. Like if you're listening to the podcast, look at your email account. How does that make you feel at the end of the day? Like the same way you have a number that you're happy with or a range that you're good with, apply that to your finances as well. Where are you going to take a deep breath and be like, I'm good. I'm still working, but I'm good where I am today. And I have a goal set out for me that I'm, that's obtainable. So that is some advice to take away for today. That's that's a good one too. And I I also, though, I know that I, I prioritize my emails. Mm -hmm. So even though I, I have a lot and, and some of them, honestly, some, of course we all get like newsletters that we sign up for and I put them in a folder or I just go through and I'm just like, delete, don't have time to read it today. Sometimes I go through and I think maybe I should unsubscribe because I haven't actually read that newsletter in a very long time. And, and that I learned um, a while ago because part of it is like, it's just more that's in there. And if we're not, if we're not reading them, like to me, I feel it's two things. It's, it's taking up time that even if I have to delete every day or every week, whatever, I'm still going through deleting a number of things. And why keep doing that? That's taking time away. That number, when I see, as soon as I open how many, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so many. And if I can just eliminate that, then, then it's a good thing. And I know some people, they say, well, you know, I like the person I want to keep as a subscriber, you know, because it kind of helps them with their numbers. But I also say, but also as a business owner for, for us, like we also pay for our subscribers, right? We have an email list, but every, you know, if we have 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 emails that go out per month, that's a cost. And the more you have, there is an increased cost. And so for me, if I know that I'm not reading it, I'm not buying anything from them. I'm really not like, I'm not a valuable 
customer or client for them. And so I'm really not doing them any favors by staying on an email list that I'm not even reading the email. And if you're not opening it, you're impacting their open rate as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm really not helping them. So um, it's all and, and because my thought it's to me, it's not about quantity. It's about quality. I would rather have for myself a smaller list of people that are opening, they're reading, they're getting value instead of saying, oh, I have so many subscribers, but half of them don't even open the email. It, it's, there's no point, you know, it's quality over quantity. And I'll echo that is also clean out your inbox for stores. You know, if you like to impulsively shop and, you know, you see a sale come in from your favorite store and all of a sudden, you know, an hour later, you, you know, you know, a productivity time is now yes. spent, you know, searching and buying things you didn't even know you needed, but now you have to have, go ahead and delete those unsubscribe. And when they ask you to subscribe, even for the 10% off, either take the 10% off and then unsubscribe the next email or clean out those, those emails. Cause they are taking time. Like as you said, to delete it and, or distraction and pulling your money someplace else as well. Um, so that's and, another tip. And it's also too on that as well. If you don't, if you're not thinking about it, you probably don't need it. Like, and I, I have a rule for me for, for spending money and partially because I do travel quite a bit as well. And that's how I, I really, when I started, it was if I buy something new, I have to get rid of something. So, and, and it started because I, I was traveling a lot and I had my suitcase and so only a certain amount of weight to a certain amount of space. And so I, I really stopped shopping because I thought, well, if I buy a new dress, I have to get rid of a dress. And that point was because space and weight for my suitcase. And I just continued that. I just thought if I buy something new, I need to get rid of something because what do we really need? And, and knowing the difference between need and want is, is very important too. Like what do we need versus what do we want? And if we, if we need it, then yes, you know, check it out, find, you know, if there's sales on and, and things like that. Um, if you need to have it right now, I mean, there, there's certain things that we need immediately. Like if you're, I don't know, your hot water tank goes like, that's something that's important. Um, but there's a lot of things that I also think that we spend on that we don't need. And we don't even know if we really want it. And I'm to blame, I've done this before. I'm like, oh, it's on sale. I'm saving money. Right. Or you're emotionally spending, right? Like I was just sharing, I was in Barcelona with my kids. They were driving me crazy. I like, I need to go for a walk. And all of a sudden I ended up at a vintage shop and I picked up a couple of cute dresses. I didn't need any of it. I walked out of the store, but I ended up with three things in my bag because at the time it was an emotional spend. Um, and so those are going to happen. Acknowledge that, but move out some of the obstacles if you can. And another fun tip is so let's say we were just talking about online shopping and you put everything in the cart, you wait a minute and it says it's 150 euro. And all of a sudden you decide I'm not gonna do it. Take that 150 euro you would have spent and move it into what I call a sunshine fund. And it's the opposite of a rainy day fund. These are things that you can do for yourself like an extra adventure if you're traveling or uh, money towards a wedding you have coming up or a friend's bachelorette or hen party and that $150 or pounds that you were just were going to spend on on aimless clothes move that into your sunshine fund so that way you get to do it with something that really has purpose and passion for you I love that that is such a great idea because there's there's been many times that I kind of I don't do a lot of online shopping but 
I'll start and I'll look and I'll put things into the cart and then I see the total and then I think, oh, that's, you know, more than what I thought because I end up picking more things. And then I think, do I really need that? And 99% of the time, I don't end up buying it because then I just, I like to think about things. And even I will spend more money knowing that like something will say, oh, it's on sale. You only have a certain amount of time or you buy now, you save so much money. I will wait because I would rather spend more later knowing that it's something that I really did want. Because most times if I like don't buy the, you know, I wait and leave the shopping cart, I don't go back to buy like 99% of the time. So that 1% time when I do, I'm okay with spending a little bit more because I know I've saved so much on all those other times where I decided I really didn't need that. And for me, lots of it is, is more learning stuff, that course that, um, you know, say it's a, a marketing course or this or that, or, or, you know, I love learning. And so I'm, I'm constantly buying and I've really been this year. I'm like, okay, no more, no more courses, no more. I mean, I'm sure I still will, but I spend a lot on that. So I'm really starting to, to be, I don't need because in part two, I love to learn, but if I'm not implementing, what does it matter? Right. So two things on this. One is that's amazing. You have so much self-control. Not all of us have that. Um, and it's a skill that you work out every day. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you had to do it because of your traveling circumstances. So it was implemented and it's stuck. And it's something that takes practice. So again, I invite you to practice, you know, wait the 24 hours, see if you need it, ask yourself the questions because it's going to take practice. So that's really important. And back to spending on education, that, that's something you enjoy and that's something that brings you joy. Set aside money in your budget for it. And I hate the word budget. I, when I work with clients, I call them yes plans. What do you want to say yes to in life? And every month, what do you need to achieve that yes? So for you, if you want to say yes to education courses throughout the year and it's going to cost $10,000, just a plan for it. So when you do it, you do it with joy versus with guilt. Mm-hmm. And you're selective because you know you have a certain amount of funds to, to spend on it. Yeah, and that's that's where um, I've I've changed my focus. Like I I and I still I still spend a majority of my money for me personally is educational things and experiences, traveling, mm-hmm. trying new things. I, I spent years as a travel writer. Um, I still love to to travel. Um, but, and, and I love doing those things. So for me, for example, I'm, I'm not a huge clothing shopper as, as we, we've talked a little bit about that. So I would, and I would look at the price of something and, and say, oh, am I really going to spend say $200 on a pair of jeans? Because then I think with living in Europe, flying is extremely cheap compared to like North America. I don't even know if you can fly anywhere for $200 in North America. Maybe if you got a good seat sale, but in Europe, I could probably get like five return flights for depending upon where I'm going for $200. And so I think like I could go somewhere or like the flight for five places or a pair of jeans or just do like a weekend trip because the flight is very cheap and to spend one or two nights in a hotel or a pair of jeans, you know? And so that's that's how I think. And, and that's what works for me. It may not work for everybody, I was just going to say that you have a lot of control. A lot of people that I see want it all and they want it all right now. So I want to grow my business. I want to travel the world. 
I want to spend on experiences. I want to jump out of the airplane. I want to wear the, the new Louis Vuitton purse for my Instagram feed. And I want it all now. But we can't have it all now. Unless you're mega rich and wet, like, you know, very few of us can have it all now. Right. But that's hard to understand when you're going through the process Absolutely. and and life's a journey, right? And mm -hmm. and as you go through it, there are going to be times where you get to travel the world for $200, right? And then there's going to be times where you get to buy the Louis Vuitton purse if that's important to you. And there's going to be times where, you know, everything has a time and a place right. and you already have that set up, it sounds like, where you know your values and you know how to move from, shift from one focus to the other with your finances. Again, it's a skill and it's something that takes practice. Absolutely. what you do now when you're younger impacts you later. Mm -hmm. So by getting into credit card debt now in your, say your twenties, it will stay with you and the interest that you pay and the burden and the literally like my full shoulder feels it, right? The stress that comes with it isn't worth it, but making some small shifts in behavior to, to get out of debt or to not ever get into debt by making those choices between jeans or a trip, right? It sounds small, but they add up over time. So all of these small things will help you um, reach your goals without having to do these drastic things. I look at it as a diet. You know, you have diet and lifestyle. Right. You go on a crash course diet, I'm never eating carb again. Well, all of a sudden you find yourself in Paris and let me tell you, you're going to have a croissant. <laughs> you're going to be Italy and you're going to have a bite of pasta. Like you can't say these things. And the same with, so a lifestyle is more, I'm going to eat healthier. I'm going to reduce carbs. I'm going to do all of these things. The same is between a budget and a yes plan. So for me, a budget's very constricting. Even that word, most people get the hairs on the back of their head to stand up. A yes plan is, yes, I can do this. Yes, I can go on a trip to Europe. Or yes, we can, we can build a business. Yes, we can buy a home. Well, build your plan to match that because it's going to make those decisions, like at the checkout we we're just talking about online, a lot easier to say, nope, that's going into my yes plan. That's going to my, my business. That's going to my next plane trip. Heck, picked, print out a picture of where you're going or what you're saying yes to. Put it as a screensaver on your phone because a lot of us are visual. I'm visual. So if I see it every day, well, heck, it's going to be a lot easier to make say yes and no, make those decisions that you, you've skilled, you've tuned in and, and honed in on very well. But a lot of us are still learning. So right. use the tools that you have around you. Pictures are great. Challenges are great. Communicate it to others what you're doing. So therefore, when your friends ask you to go out or to spend money, they know what you're saving for and are a little bit more sensitive. Right. And, and you're right. Like it takes time. I didn't just all of a sudden, you know, one day wake up and be, have a, a, a budget or just like, I'm not doing that. It, it, it started because of, of certain things that were happening and, and things throughout my life. And, and as we're in different phases and stages of life as well, things, things are different. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm single. Um, my mom, I'm sorry, my daughter is a, an adult now. So I've, I'm, I've bypassed through those years of school and, and kids and, and things like that. So I think it's important to think too, like some people I talk to, they're like, oh, you know, I, I, I wished I could travel as much as you do or, or have your lifestyle. And I said, well, just wait, 
like you could, but it, you know, you're, you're at a stage right now. Your, your children are a certain age, just wait till they're older. Or, um, you know, it depends on where you're at. If you're just starting your business, you're going to have to put in a lot more hours and a lot more work. But in time, as, as it grows and you're able to hire people, you can focus on doing just the things that you enjoy doing within the business and, and it grows. Um, it's kind of like that old saying that everybody knows, but nobody really wants to listen and really pay attention to it is Rome wasn't built in a day. And Rome is amazing. I love Rome. It's one of my favorite cities. Yes, it wasn't built in a day. It it took time and and we have to kind of know where we want to go. And then I love that that you said that having that yes plan. So here's my ultimate yes goal. What things do I need to do to to get there? So yeah. how it's it's very interesting what you do and how you you help people um, with how they feel about money. How did you get started in into this career? That's a great question. Um, like everybody's journey in life, mine was not a straight one. I I grew up. We've talked about background, so I grew up in a household of my dad. And I bonded over math. Like I was good at math. And I got a degree in finance from the University of Florida. And his best friend was an accountant. And so for me, I liked hanging with the guys when I was little. And, and, and in fact, we started trading stocks probably when I was like 12 years old. And because I had interest in it, my sister wasn't interested and my mom wasn't interested. And as the years went on, I got a degree in finance. I went to work for IBM and spent 10 years in corporate America, living up to the term I've been moved. So I did nine moves in 12 years, Wow! of which uh, three of that was in Asia. So I did two years in Tokyo and a year in Shanghai. And I absolutely loved, loved, loved my experience. And that was a way, it's funny, as we're talking with all these travelers, after I graduated college, I went on a gap summer because in America, you don't go on a gap year. Right. And I came home and I was like, I'm going to go travel the world. I don't need corporate America. And I was like, I just put you through university. Like you have a job. Go. Mm -hmm. um, and so my life of travel looks different than what I thought it would be at 22. So I was able to go live overseas and live in Asia and travel to these amazing places that had I taken that gap year, I wouldn't have probably have seen. So sometimes you have to be patient with your dreams. They do show up in different ways. Um, and then I started having, I was married and started having children. So I had three kids in three years, moved back to the States and in the fourth year got divorced. And so I had three little babies and I realized corporate America wasn't for me um, and raising the family that I wanted. And so I started working with entrepreneurs, growing brands in the organic food space, because that was the world that I was in. In fact, when I was in China, a woman in the UK cracked open organic baby food in the pouches. And if you've seen them now, those hadn't been to the US yet. And so I was importing them. And when I got to the US, I reached out to the company and I said, I just left IBM and I'm looking, you know, if you need help. And that was it. I got hired at a Dunkin' Donuts in the Lower East Side of New York, you know, to say, great, come help me you know, market and build this brand in the US. So I did 10 years of that and moved back home to be close to my family. And when I did that, my dad passed away. Um, very suddenly on pancreatic cancer. And um, I had known where the binder was of all the financial documents. And because we've been talking about those for the past 20 plus years, 
My mom knew the binder, but she didn't know the whys behind. She didn't know how much money that my dad had left for her. She didn't know how to pay bills because that wasn't her role in the marriage. And so I stepped into that role. And along the same time, I found financial therapy. And I, that for me was a big aha moment where I'm like, this is my calling because I've helped people along my journey. I've been married. I've been divorced. I've been an expat. I've moved. I've lost a parent. You know, I've had to take on being a single mom and finances. I've always been in control of. And most of the peers around me haven't been because it hasn't a skill that they've talked about openly or that they felt confident in. So for me, financial therapy has been this like ray of sunshine that has come in to, to really be my calling of like how I can help people. And I started my business in 2019, the pandemic hit, and um, I have a virtual practice that's globally around the world. I work with corporations, I work with employee wellness, I work with individuals and couples and, um, and partners of all sorts, business partners, romantic partners, et cetera. So it's, uh, it's great. Well, that's fantastic. So where can people find you? What would be the best way to connect with you? And maybe also um, how people can get those cards that you mentioned earlier, because I think those are fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Best way to reach me is on my website, which is yourfinancialtherapist.com. Y-O-U-R F-I-N-A-N-I. Hold on, I can't spell financial. <laughs> well, you know, I'll put I'll put the link in. There, there'll be a link in, in the show notes. Okay, for, please. For okay. Put, put the link in. Yeah. So <laughs> therapist.com. Go under shop and you can um, buy the cards. You can also schedule a session if you are interested. There's a, a free quiz as well that's on my website to help you understand maybe some of your four, there's four financial behaviors that are showing up where you align with them. And I'm also on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook at Your Financial Therapist. Excellent. Well, that's great. And it was really nice talking with you today. And I'm sure the listeners got a lot of valuable information and uh, they know where to find you to connect with you. So again, thank you very much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure chatting.